I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. want to tell another story about an insane interview that I went on <laughs> or I had I guess it was a phone interview like all of them are yeah. I am applying to lots of jobs and nobody is giving me one no um, but this one I didn't want after this interview <laughs> so I got an interview for an escape room oh, that yeah. is nearby okay I thought it would be like kind of low-key pretty you know yeah it seems like a fun job you're just like introducing some a group of people into this escape room that they're doing maybe giving them some hints through the radio yeah closing it out for them like pretty easy resetting the scene um this guy already started off bad oh god so i applied for it and then he sent me a message saying hello fellow texan (laughs) oh god and then asked why i was flying responded and i asked him where in texas he was from yeah and he's not he is from maryland and then he said oh i i'm from maryland but I went to UT. Boo. And then now I'm in back, back in the DMV, back in DC. So you're not from Texas. I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and say that you should never say that to another Texan ever again. Yeah. Because I didn't, wasn't even born in Texas. I did grow up there. Yeah. I lived there for a long time. And I find that personally offensive. <laughs> I, I Understandably. So I'm like, first of all, that's embarrassing. Like, no, you aren't. You it's aren't. It's like we went to a school. We went to school with this one guy who grew up in Virginia uh-huh. and has lived in Virginia until like very recently mm-hmm. and kept saying to professors when I was in class with him that he was from Texas, which what he meant is he was born in Houston and then moved to Virginia as a two year old. And I'm like, well, no, you're not. <laughs> like, you're not. Like, you're not. And then like UT is going to be the school that we're going to we're gonna go with oh yeah you see the awesome. uh the just like complete like yeah i just feel like they're just so texan they are the most they texan. like bleed i was texas like if blood. somebody said that to me and they were like yeah, i only lived there for college but they went to like texas a&m yeah i'm like okay yeah all right I, yeah yeah okay i'm like i'll let it pass because if you were in texas a&m you learn not to say that shit anyways unless you've earned it but i was like austin no um, That's so evil. Yeah, because, so, like, one of my, like, best friends, she was born in England and stayed there till she was about 11. Came here and, like, you know, eventually, like, lost her English accent. You know, she's been living here, like, her whole life since. And she doesn't even really say that she's English. She's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm born in England. Like, when people ask about, like, why she has, like, a different ID or mm-hmm. something like that or whatever, she's like, yeah, I guess. But, like, she like, doesn't even consider herself British because she's like, I don't sound British. Right. Like, I don't really know that. Like, she's like, you know, my family is and I go back. But it's like, you know, it's like not the same, yeah. you know, when you've grown up in America. She's and then like, I'm claim basically it to American. you know is from there. Like, I was like, you're looking at my resume. You know I went to a Texas college. You see all of these Texas jobs in not only Austin, but also Dallas. You know I've lived in more than one place in Texas. Yeah. And you're, you're probably from there. Yeah. I'm like, ew, embarrassing. Okay, so then we <laughs> got on. This is going to be such a long story, but you know what? It's fine. Right. <laughs> um, We got into this interview, mm-hmm. and he went on this, like, he didn't ask me any questions, which I think is, like, pretty common for people who don't know how to, like, interview. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, maybe watch a YouTube video first. Yeah. Um, it's really awkward when they ask, like, why do you want to work here? 
and then that's it. And it's like, what answer are you expecting? Yeah. I don't know. So he told me all this stuff about his, you know, their escape room and how important it is. And he's like, this is acting. You've got to memorize lines and get into character and wear costumes and blah, 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 blah. And you have to be a good people person and be like a good actor, which I was like, um. I guess. I was like, okay. Um, he's like, we're not like all of the, the chains. Like, we don't just like press a button on a screen and all this stuff. I was like, all right, maybe kind of an intense guy. Let's hear him out. Yeah. And then he was like, and, you know, we get a lot of birthday parties, like kids' birthday parties. And I was like, okay, okay. yeah, that's not a bad thing. Like, it makes sense. That's pretty fun for kids. Yeah. And he basically said, it's not a good thing either. And I'm like, okay, are you in the right profession? Yeah, it seems like you don't really want to be here. Yes. And then the final, <laughs> like, nail in the coffin for me was he asked if I had any questions. I asked, you know, how long they had been open and how many people worked there. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we've been open for whatever, however long it was. Mm-hmm. And then claimed to open the first, to have opened the first escape room in the entire state of Texas. It wasn't even that long ago that he lived there. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I can't find any resources on it, but I feel like you're lying. Yeah. Like, just a gut feeling that you're lying. Because he also mentioned that they had another location near here that then closed went out of business I was like maybe not you know yeah, don't, yeah, don't say that <laughs> and to my response like question about how many people work there he listed five men um oh. and how great they are and most of them are like military reserve pretty common here yeah one woman who he then complained about and heavily implied that he was going to fire her that it was like not working out ah! and I was like I've never to seen an interview candidate. so many red flags, one right after the other. Just like rapid fire. Like he was just throwing the rad- red flags at your eyes. Was he like, was like, go, go, go. First of all, you're going to just proudly say you went to UT. Like that's not embarrassing. Yeah. And then you're going to like just say lies about your company. <laughs> yeah. And tell me not that one of the good ones. Close. Yeah. And then be like complain about an employee and it's the only woman that is working there and you're to complaining about it and yeah. I'm like oh oh uh-huh yeah he also Terrifying. went on a whole tangent about how this isn't for everyone not everybody makes it through training and I was like this isn't the fucking Navy SEALs babe like this is an escape you're room. talking about like learning a couple lines yeah. It's not that it's not that important. Yeah. I think maybe the problem is that you're a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe people don't want to like work at like a, a basically minimum wage job with some like fucking asshole. Yeah. And so they didn't make it through training mm-hmm. with heavy quotation marks. Right. They were just like fuck this. Yeah, they're get like, a different I'm gonna get a job. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, that's um my latest God, I was like, does, does he know that he can just do local theater if he uh, wants to be an honestly, actor? I'm like, babes, you you shouldn't be doing the interviewing. No, honestly. definitely shouldn't. Like, this I is feel so like weird. Now, at this point, maybe you're personally responsible for that other location closing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I why like, are you in on charge? COVID, but I'm like, did you do that, too? Did you do that? <laughs> did you, like, say some snarky-ass shit to the employees that are working there and they all, like, mass quit or some shit? Honestly. Anyways, welcome to the podcast, Rejects. Uh, I'm Spencer, sitting with Alaska. Hello. Uh, And we are continuing our talk about terms for um, the fanfiction, I guess, universe. Yes. Community. Fanfiction lore. (laughs) Yes, like, you know, the whole shebang. So Mm -hmm. we got into a bunch of really important ones last episode, and we're going to keep on going. Yes. So the first thing we're going to talk about is shipping, just in general. Yes. Um, So shipping... 
which comes from the word relationship mm-hmm. or relationshipping, which is a fucking mouthful, <laughs> is the desire by followers of a fandom for two or more characters, either real life people or fictional characters, mm-hmm. to be in a romantic and or sexual relationship. Nice. Pretty self-explanatory. You yeah. want two characters and you're like, now kiss. <laughs> kiss. <laughs> like that's, that's what shipping is. Pretty like non, non-crazy. Um, usually this is like a pretty standard start for most fanfic as well as you want to see these two characters like get it on Duh. and i get it uh why do you think i read so much draco fanfic <laughs> yeah <laughs> um one of the common things that you will hear as far as like fandom speak is an otp mm-hmm. or a one true pairing yeah so one true pairing basically refers to a person's favorite ship whether just in general or in a specific fandom so it could be like your otp in stranger things mm-hmm. or something like that so this is like Regardless of any other ships that are happening, this is the characters that you want to be together. Yeah. So that could be, like, for Stranger Things, like, Hopper and Joyce would be, like, my Duh. OTP. The only right answer. answer. Yeah. Um, there's also no TP, which is N-O-T-P. So no one true pairing, which is basically refers to someone who doesn't like either, doesn't like any specific pairings, like, whatever, or they're, like, against one specific pairing. <laughs> so that's a no TP for them as they're, like, why are you shipping Voldemort and Dobby? Like, that's a no TP. Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I guess I would be the, the, in that category, I guess. If we're um, there's also uh, OTP3 or OT, uh, OTP+. plus. So that is three or more characters together, you know, a triad yeah. or more than that. Um, uh, multi-shipping is when someone has a bunch of ships in a very specific fandom. I feel like that's probably what most people are like. If there's a lot of characters, you have, like, different characters you want to date others. Um, A rare pair or a rare ship is a pairing that does not get a lot of backing or fan content made. Um, So this would just be, like, either it's really out of pocket or it's, like, you know, it's just, like, not people's favorite. I think a lot of them, if we were talking, like, Harry Potter would be, like, Hermione and Percy is kind of a rare pairing. So it's not necessarily crazy, but it's, you know, just not something where people are going to be writing a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a crack ship is kind of similar to that, which is a pairing that's basically a joke. And it isn't oh. meant to be taken seriously like my Voldemort Dobby joke. <laughs> okay, yes. That would be yeah. a crack ship. Yeah, like, yeah, That's what that is. Um, there's also something called self... Wait, hold on. How was crack spelled? Like crack? Oh, okay, okay. Never mind. I just... I thought it was, um, like, uh, I was thinking of, like, British people and, like, how they spell crack with, like, a C... R-A-I-C or whatever. I thought it was like a British joke. I didn't even know that okay. that was a thing. Never mind. Um, I'll just cut that out. <laughs> There's also a thing called self-shipping, uh, which is not you shipping them with yourself. Um, oh. It is oh, where yeah. you have a character who is shipped with themselves, whether from another alternate universe or past future scenarios. So this would be like the Loki TV show. Right. That is like a self-ship because God. it's, you know, two Lokis dating. Um, probably <laughs> the most notorious is something called one cest yeah which we're going to talk about in our dead dove do not eat series because that's where it belongs <laughs> yes yeah. those fucking hooligans <laughs> which is basically where uh, one character from the lorax was shipped with himself but like his evil version and his pre-evil version yeah <sighs> you know whatever i guess mm. there was nobody else to pair him with but i'm like sometimes you just got to do a crossover or something yeah most interesting parts of like shipping for me is the discourse between shippers and anti-shippers um because i think shipping is like pretty 
unharmful. Yeah. Like, it's it's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, so this, as far as, like, shippers and anti-shippers, is a little bit closer to just fandom culture mm. rather than fan fiction specific, but I feel like it still kind of belongs here because most of the fan fiction is, like, ship-related. Right. Um, and I did so much research on it that I was like, it's got to be in here somewhere. Like, I got to talk about it because it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So the term comes from the X-Files fandom, which we mentioned before, where they use no Romo. Mm. Um, which, like, it's Pride Month. How could you... <laughs> How could you do that? <laughs> no Romo. <laughs> I'm like, ew. You're making a no homo joke? Um, but the fandom obviously was split between, like, whether Mulder and Scully should end up together or whether they should be just friends or platonic. Right. And it became very intense as far as, like, how people felt about these characters being together or not being together, where mm-hmm. it was, like, a personal belief system about, you know, not wanting them to be together. Yeah. So that kind of evolved from into, like, anti-shippers. So anti-shippers are people who either oppose a specific ship or shipping in general. Mm. Um, so... This like, how fucking annoying do you have to be to, to, to hate shipping in general? Right. Like, that it's, like, part of your, like, stance. Yeah, it's like, okay. Like, you just Jesus. not watch content, I guess. Um, <laughs> like, just keep your eyes closed. <laughs> right, honestly, you're like, I, I do not see it. Um, ship wars uh, is the thing that, like, refers to the discourse between shippers and anti-shippers. Yeah. Um, sometimes... These conversations, these ship wars come from, like, canon. Mm. Like, they are fucking Christians citing the Bible. Yep. The way they'll be like, you can't ship Voldemort and Dobby. They never interact. <laughs> it's not in canon. And I'm like, maybe you just respect my choices. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to flip-flop here. I'm going to say yes to Voldemort and Dobby. <laughs> I'm glad I won you over. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so that, you know, sometimes that's where it comes from. I feel like when I was looking this up, I just looked up anti-shippers generally, and then mm-hmm. I looked it up in a couple of different fandoms. A lot of the anti-shippers in Harry Potter, um, are canon specific. Mm-hmm. So they are, they're talking about certain things that characters did together that either makes them a bad ship or a good ship, mm. uh, which is a weird argument to have in general. But, um, <laughs> yeah. this whole thing is really creepy to me. Um, just that this thinking is very weird. It is. Um... So it can also be, and I feel like this is what I see a lot more of, is, uh, like, just generally, and also the true crazy stuff, is it's about ethics. Mm. So these would be people who are like, you can't ship Draco and Hermione because he calls her a slur. And, like, that's unethical to, like, ship them together. Um, This is kind of, like, paired with an idea of, like, fandom conservatism. And this idea of, like, you know, these are the same people who would attack a fanfic author and, like, rail against them, put, you know, keep reporting them and doing other stuff. Like, they're just getting mad harassment. These are the people who do that. Mm -hmm. And it often, like, it bleeds into their own ethical system. So the idea that if you ship, you know, Kylo Ren and um, Ray, Ray, I was going to say Daisy Ridley, which is not right. Um, (laughs) I guess you could, um, is, you know, you're a bad person because you do that. So it's not just, like... At least with the canon interpretations, I can kind of understand even just like how that could be a fun conversation mm-hmm. to explore, like, you know, explore, like, should it be Dreary or Dramine? Let's look at like in-text evidence and yeah. then go from there. That's a fun conversation, but it usually comes down to like their ethical beliefs and then putting a lot of other beliefs on the person who might ship these characters uh, um, yes. and then attacking them for doing so. And, right. You know, when you read these posts, 
if you ever look up anti-shipper posts on Tumblr, like just the tag, these people are fighting against like a true demon in their minds. Yeah. They the posts are like so far out of the realm of the real world. Mm-hmm. They're the most like touch grass posts I've ever read. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like reading a post from like a QAnon person. Yeah. Where it's like you're so many steps away from like what is a reasonable conversation that it's like it's incomprehensible to anyone that isn't deep into the anti-shipper group. Yeah. Like thinking that people who ship these are so upset about these anti-shippers, which is like, we really aren't unless you're like super annoying or harassing people, then that's a problem. Yeah. But it's like, they're not fighting you. They just are like, stop being annoying. Yeah. They're like, can you just like leave me alone? When like the anti-shippers are like, we are in a battle. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Like, I swear everything's going to be fine. Like you can have your opinion and then move on. Yes. So like one of the things was, um, in Harry Potter anti-shippers, mm-hmm. where it was like Romini shippers and Dramini shippers, so Ron and Hermione and Draco and Hermione, mm-hmm. and those two groups are fighting. And then it was like this other ship that was watching them being like, they're so crazy. Like, we never argue like that. And that's like, this post doesn't exist in these other worlds because like they are not doing this. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. it's very much an imaginary person that they are like, focusing their energy on yeah. and then believe that that is a real person. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'll never forget the way they did that with iCarly where like the creators of the show or whoever at the like network tried to do like a marketing thing once with the whole, like after they established the Sam and Freddie were dating thing, mm-hmm. they tried this whole like marketing thing of like Credie versus Seti or whatever. And then most of the fans of iCarly like don't really give a shit. Maybe they like one versus the other, but it wasn't this huge war that they were like making up. But they, the marketing people tried to make it a real war. They were like, here fans have a war now. And people were like, I don't really care. Right. And then made a whole self-indulgent episode episode about how fans are awful like hive mind group think people who like physically attacked their favorite people because they are so passionate about credit versus SETI and it was like your fan base isn't doing this yes, like this why are you making exist. some weird hate letter to your fan base about how insane they are when like this this was something that you manufactured and tried to push onto your own fan base like that's so weird yeah same very, shit it's very I think a lot of people as far as, like, marketing really want to, like, capture the success of Team Edward and Team Jacob. Yeah. And even when you look at that, that did not exist. It really did I'm like, I'm sure there were people in there having crazy conversations about Probably. ethics, but most of it was not that way. No. Um, and I think people really wanted to, like, do that. I feel like nobody has ever done a love triangle as successfully, like, in the media as that, where people, like, genuinely believed that Bella could end up with Jacob. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to the end of the third book, she's like, I'm in love with both of them, but I'm staying with Edward, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, people could believe either. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, like, companies want to encourage this when really it's like, you're just going to get, like, the ravenous people who are, like, going to say the most insane things. Yeah. Which I also want to say that I feel like the Venn diagram uh-huh. of anti-shippers mm-hmm. and people who don't like enemies to lovers is a circle. It's a circle. Because I feel like a lot of what I'm seeing as far, like the first time I encountered anti-shippers was in the Ray Low like tag. So, you know, Ray and Kylo Ren, that's where I first started seeing anti-shippers and they were like, you know, crazy <laughs> already. I was like, yeah. just came out. Um, like, why are you doing this? But yeah. it, it's very much like a, you know, they, there's a lot of them as far as like Draco and 
whatever character because they can't really get behind the idea of enemies to lovers. This is the same people who think like enemies to lovers is being like lightly vexed with another person and not like they're like that person tried to kill the other person and it's like yeah it's fantasy like they could just do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it's shifted around a lot as far as like this argument is like you know shipping and anti-shipping. Um I feel like a big part of it is this argument that like fiction affects reality because usually the argument back of like it's fiction is pretty pretty self-explanatory. It's like it's not that it's like saying touch grass. Like it's really like it can cover most things. Like some things don't need to be discoursed this much and yeah. need to have a place in your like personal ethics. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, like I said, there is a lot of stuff that's like fiction affects reality. I think this can be true, but I also think that it goes back and forth. And I think like shipping somebody, even if it's not canon, is not going to reflect, like it's not going to reflect in the reality that you live in. Mm -hmm. It's not changing the world. Even Twilight didn't change the world. Everyone was like, this is bad for girls because they're going to want an abusive relationship. And it's like, you're giving it too much power. You are. I think it's acceptable to like, enjoy content and look at it critically and that's very important like media literacy is important Mm -hmm. but it's not so important that it's like if you are disregarding it to talk about some ship or write fan fiction you are not a bad person yeah like writing about jasper hell and anyone like just being like well he was a confederate soldier and it's like okay well let's just can we talk about the character yeah aside from that also he like he he wasn't because he's not real (laughs) yeah exactly you're like (laughs) he didn't fight in the war yeah He's like, pretending to be a veteran, and he isn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not real. He's a vampire. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, <laughs> it, at some point, you're like, I just need you to, like, go outside. Yeah. And, like, do something for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, I promise you, the girls who are, like, super into vampires aren't going to, like, go find someone who, like, supports the Confederate Army and be like, that's the same thing, <laughs> just because Jasper is a character. Right. I feel like a lot of these conversations... Um, I'm not going to talk about the specific ones I found on Tumblr and just like the anti-shipper stuff. Cause it was kind of like the worst stuff I've ever read mm-hmm. and not in a fun way. Um, I think it exists in the same political like sphere as far as like things do on TikTok, mm-hmm. where you are trying to get engagement. And so people become radicalized really, really quickly. Very quickly. Uh, that's why everything we see on TikTok, Tumblr veterans are like, we've, we've seen this before because they are the same, like, way of interacting with people and radicalizing to the point where it's like nobody outside of your community has any idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And so like, that's what I saw a lot as far as like anti shippers is this idea of like an echo chamber, but also like radicalizing them against someone that does not exist. Yes. So that was Loki kind of a tangent, but I just wanted to talk about it. Cause again, I just did so much research and then I was like, what am I going to, where am I going to put this? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I mean, it's, we could go hard into the like psychology of these people mm-hmm. because there there is just a lot going on. And yes, the, into the s- point when you become someone who self identifies like as an anti shipper, it's like, how did we get here? There's, right. there's a lot there. Like you could, we could make a whole podcast just about that. We're easy. not going to. We're not going to depress me. And, and it would also attract them. Yeah, and they I already come am for worried. Us. Um, <laughs> but they are the religious people of the internet. They really like are. Um, it has the same energy as those people who, like, on the street are, like, carrying their big tall signs about how you need to, like, repent or Jesus is going to, like, burn yeah. you or something. And, and it's like, like, who are you? Who is this for? Yeah. I'm like. Is this not for me? Because the people who are just, like, 
out on a Sunday getting a coffee with their friends. Like, I don't think they're, like, trying to wage this war against you. I think you're fine. Yeah. It's like, it's just not important as you think it is. Yeah. So anyways, let's move on. Um, Another big part of fan fiction is author's notes or Mm. ands. Um, An author's note is a line before, after, or sometimes in the middle of a fic where an author directly addresses the audience. Um, So sometimes, like, when you see them on AO3, they can be, like, pretty, like, thanks for, you know reading and like thanks for this person for editing this yeah um or they could be way more meta than that as far as like how they evolve um this is also where people you know would place like trigger warnings and whatnot Mm -hmm. i feel like every single one in the harry potter one includes some sort of disclaimer in the author's notes about not owning harry potter which i think is dumb because i'm like we know yeah like (laughs) you don't need to put this because it's not important yeah Typically, the ones you see that pop up in the middle are in fics that are written by younger authors. Mm. So I think, like, the best example of this and probably the most famous is in My Immortal. So it's, like, the author is, like, getting so excited about what they're writing that they need to, like, cut the <laughs> cut the cameras for a second yeah. and be like, this is so exciting. <laughs> um, which Joy, I think is, uh, I think it's hilarious. I wish real authors did this. I wish like when I read Lord of the Rings, there was like Tolkien just coming in and like saying dumb shit in the middle of the story. You know he wanted to. Oh yeah, it probably was in there to begin with. Yeah. And when they published it, they're like, we gotta take this. They're out. like, we don't need this. <laughs> um, authors' notes have very much become like a common joke in the world of fandom because a lot of them are like insane. Yeah. Um, which is also the you know it comes from this idea of like fanfic authors always deliver so you get stuff where they're like hey my mom died but sorry this episode was a day late or they're like i just had (laughs) surgery i was like reading one recently where a woman was still in the hospital after giving birth my god and all the author's notes leading up to it were updates about her pregnancy and i'm like i don't know you you don't have to put this yeah you don't have to put that in there um i love them i think this has become even more popular because of the juice in a box guy on tiktok who read does like traumatic readings of author's notes oh yeah uh-huh. which i think is funny at first i was like not watching them because it was a man and i was like sometimes men will interact with fandom content in a way that is just like inherently disrespectful yeah instead of just being like it is funny that they write this like crazy shit um but you can still be appreciative of yeah. it like i am talking about it in a way where i'm like i genuinely love these sorts of things including the ones that are insane mm-hmm. um I think my personal favorite that I've seen is one where the author was like actively fighting with people in the comments <laughs> through their author's notes. And one of them got to a chapter where it was like, well, everyone was unhappy with this chapter. So this is a brand new chapter that I wrote. And I was like, what happened originally? Like, what was the original discourse? Oh you God. can't just say that in your author's notes like years later reading it. And I'm like, what happened? Like, it's what like, did if, you do? If you get to the point where you're like, you know, readers are so mad at you about this chapter that you've written and you feel compelled to write a new one. You have to archive that chapter like somewhere else. Like yes. publish it like independently, mm-hmm. like on your page it can or be whatever. A one shot somewhere. Just be like, this is the chapter. I'm leaving it here. And then we're going to keep going for the old ones. Because yeah. that is so unfair to all the people who weren't there in real time. It's <laughs> so funny. I was like, that is one of my favorite. I mean, it like the story was crazy. Yeah. Um, it did have all the right tags. So I felt like people who were fighting her on it were like, I don't know. It's like, it's not the place where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, she was making some choices in plot that I was like, okay, uh, I probably wouldn't have done that. But it's not my story. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> Like, y'all can just stop reading, anything. too. Yeah, honestly, I'm like, there's a ton of other fics. Yeah. Um, you can read whatever you want. Yeah. 
I think one of my favorites and also simultaneously least favorites is when you get to an author's note at the end of a chapter and or at the beginning of a chapter and it says, don't hate me. Because nothing ever stresses me out more than like knowing I'm like you don't even need to build tension because the moment an author interjects their own story to be like don't hate me I'm like what the fuck are you about to do like what's gonna happen? Horror writers are shaking in their boots because they wish they could just be like wait me I'm like what if the director of like a horror movie just like cuts and he's like don't hate me for this guys I would be so stressed I'd be like what's gonna happen? What are you about to do? Why am I going to hate you? Only like once or twice has that happened where I genuinely was like, oh my God, why did you do that? Most of the time it's like low level drama or they like break out, break up or something, whatever the story is. Yeah. Um, But it gets my heart racing. I'm like, what's going to happen? But also it's like, it's kind of fun. Like it's fun to just have the author be like, tell you how to feel. (laughs) I love love it. it. Genuinely. I think it's so funny. Yeah. Um, Author's notes are my favorite. I love reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're especially funny because most people don't go back and re-edit them. So if you're reading like a super long story, there'll just be a random one in the middle that makes like no sense. Like one of them was like, I read recently was referencing something that happened in the news, but I couldn't figure out when that specific thing was posted. So I didn't know what they were talking about. And it was too vague to understand. <laughs> Oh my god, it reminds me of that TikTok of that girl who being like, uh, someone on your For You page is having, like, talking about the weirdest, like, Vegas drama you've ever heard about some random other TikToker, and they're like, this is the last thing I'm gonna say on this, and you're like, like, what are they talking about? Like, I don't know, I wasn't here for the original. (laughs) But Um. this person, and it's like, oh my god, it's so funny. So, that's, it's very funny, it's like a... You know, it's like I'm an archaeologist, like uncovering this like past, past world. Maybe that's what it feels like to those people who read like the one shots or whatever without being fans. They're just like, let me just piece this stuff together. Yeah, for real. Um, just like from comments, they can figure out the context clues of what's actually canon. Yeah. Um, so another popular tag that you will see a lot on AO3 is no beta, we die like men. Which is a fun one. I wish I could have put that on all my papers. Yeah, I, I, it belongs everywhere on anything I yeah. write. Um, it originates from this meme where it was like a photo of a car uh, with the bumper sticker, no airbag, we die like men. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a reference to something. <laughs> so funny. I'm just like, oh my fucking god, that's hilarious. Why are you as a man using airbags? <laughs> no airbags. We die like men. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Your man's cheating on you if he uses an airbag. <laughs> Happy Pride Month to men who use airbags. Um oh my god, that's so funny. Um so yeah, it's comes from that term, uh beta within like fanfic and all writing refers to someone who looks over a fanfic um, for, like, errors. They can be doing, like, proofreading. Typically, whenever you see, like, beta readers at a higher level, they're you're well past the point of doing all of your, like, grammar fixing. Mm-hmm. And what they're actually looking for is, like, does your story make sense? Do you have plot holes? Like, that sort of thing. Right. Usually when you see, like, someone's beta in a fanfic, unless they're posting so fast that you know that they've already written everything... Typically, they're referring to someone that just, like, proofread yeah. their story. Um, some of them will have multiple. Like, this is where you'll see in the author's notes where it's, like, you know, shout out to my beta, like, being you know, a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, such a... Apparently, it's a, you know, bad topic for some people that really hate it. Um, because, <laughs> obviously, it's no beta, we die like men. So, it's saying that nobody proofread this. Yeah. Like, nobody... I don't have a beta reader. Yeah. I wrote it, and here it is. Here it is. Here's my trash. Yeah. Um, which, is, again, I was like, I need to put this on everything I've ever, you know, 
written. Which yeah, it like, also I don't proofread my own work, let alone have somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, no thank you. Um, <laughs> if somebody proofreads, I'm like, just make changes. I'm not looking over it. No, like, it's not happening. Absolutely not. Um, after I'm done writing something, I'm just like, good luck. I'm Whatever like, that is. That writing is between you and God. Yeah, it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um, it can also be fandom specific, so it can be like no beta, we die like Dumbledore or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they mean the same things if you see them on on works. Um, some people, like myself, find them hilarious just oh, as yeah. a general idea. Um, it kind of requires an understanding of lore to understand what the tag means, which I think is fun because you're kind of like an in-group by just understanding this tag. Yeah. Um, it's self-deprecating, so it's like someone just being like, Here's my story. It's okay. Like the way John Green was on Twitter, where someone was like, is, I haven't read this book. Is it good? And he's like, it's, it's all right. He's like, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> um, I think that's fucking hilarious. And then you know at some level, you know, what you're getting into, mm-hmm. which is can be a huge stretch depending on who wrote it. But generally you're like, expect to find um, typos because that's just, you know, par for the course, which is fine. Yeah. Other people... Uh, peeper. <laughs> Other people aka losers um don't like this and really hate that it's on there because they say like not having a beta reader isn't a brag and they're basically saying that an author putting this tag on there is a way to like get out of their own editing and be like oh i i don't have to edit this like you just know it's bad which is such a weird take to me there's so much like in fan fiction lore and Mm -hmm. like these conversations in this discourse that revolve around the fact that other people are lazy yeah like so much of it can be boiled down to that when it's like who gives a shit yeah like why do you care why are you personally offended by your assumption of um, the amount of work somebody else is doing right like who you're not a part of this yeah like that's how authors feel whenever they're like well i wrote all this stuff and they're not even doing that i'm like why does it matter yeah i'm like it's whether or not they put in any amount of effort does not diminish or increase your work. So who cares? Yeah. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised at that. And also like everything else we've talked about has its own discourse. Of course it does. Um, uh, the next term I want to talk about, just sort of mentioned last time, uh, just in passing, which is the term YN. Oh yes. So YN, um, which is this point, I, it's just become like a person to me. Um, YN is short for your name. Mm-hmm. Um, it can refer. It basically refers to like a self-insert character. So it's you in the in the story. Yeah. These can be written in like full fanfic. They can be short one shots, whatever. Um, a lot of times they're written in like second person whenever they're shorter ones. Mm-hmm. So it's a fic written in the way that's like you did this and then you did this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's also variations on it, so YLN, which is your last name, or YHC, your hair color, etc. Mm-hmm. So you can fit in all of your stuff. Um, the earliest instance of YN on the internet that people could find was in 2011, oh. which isn't even as long ago that I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so it's not that old um, as far as like fan fiction lore, which you know goes back to the 70s. Uh, it's also the year that I joined Tumblr. So Aww. I felt like that was very on the nose. Oh. Wow. <laughs> um, but it... They wrote it for you. Yeah, You're the name. Like, I'm it's YN. your name. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... YN has become like its own... Its own thing. Like it yeah. just has evolved from that. Um... If you're reading something online, also there are third-party applications, like apps that you can download, that will change YN to your actual name. Aww. So when you're reading fanfic, you can just put your name into it. That's so cute. Which I think is very fun. Yeah. Um, I also always wonder, for different people, whether or not whenever you read YN, mm-hmm. you're reading in your head, like, YN, 
or your name mm-hmm. or you know whatever or like actually your name yeah yeah because yeah. i personally hear my own name yeah i personally hear yn yeah. as a name like the name is yn they say like yn right yeah and i'm like, like they're just I'm a reading character it, it's just automatically switched to alaska yeah like when i'm reading it so I, i'm very interested like if you're listening to this yeah. Let us know. Like, I'm very curious to know how many people are just reading YN like it's a fucking character name. Yeah. And how some many people, people are hearing their own, you know. Yeah. Stuff. I've heard some people say that they read it as, like, it's its own name, but they don't pronounce it YN. They pronounce it, like, Yin or something. Like, that's, like, the name of the person is Yin. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I like that's that. Fun. Yeah. You know, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's, like, a lot easier to do when it's written in, you know, third person or first person. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, it's written in second person. It's pretty hard to disconnect yourself from it. Yeah. I find those weird because sometimes YN is doing some out-of-pocket shit. And yeah, like, like, YN whoa. said this. And I'm like, I did not. I did not say that. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say I have said nothing of the Mm-mm. sort. And I would never say anything of the sort. <laughs> Don't blame me. Don't send me to fandom jail, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, even if it's in second person, I still read it as YN, like, in my head. But that I'll, I'll associate it with myself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. than I would just like any other one. Most of them, like after written in like first or third person, maybe I'll be like some of my features are there in my head, but I'm like, if they give any descriptors, I pick those up immediately. Drop yeah. my own descriptors. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'll still like just pretend like that character is me in the same way of like, I view a video game character that I've like designed or whatever is me, but like they can look different, sound different, whatever. That right. kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they give me descriptors about YN, I disregard them like I do with all descriptors and anything I read. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, this character has brown hair. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> so I never know. I barely even know character names because yeah. I usually just read like the first three letters. And I'm like, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got it. <laughs> you and my sister have the same reading habits. It's just very like, funny. I saw this TikTok where someone was talking about like reading and they're like, how do you read so fast? And it's like, I just skip all these like paragraphs that are like the scripty parts. And someone's like how do you know they're, like, important paragraphs? You're like, oh, I skipped the unimportant stuff. Like, how do you know it's unimportant until you've read the paragraph? Mm-hmm. And someone was like, easy, you skip them, and then if the next part doesn't make sense, you go back. then you go back and read them. Exactly. And I was like, that's how I read. Yeah. If you're going to give me pages of descriptors, I'm yeah. walking away so fast. Like, yeah. I'm not reading any of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're skipping through it. And honestly, like... I I don't want to be mean because I understand people have like different ways of thinking and stuff. And so I can understand it being frustrating, but I don't, I don't know how I skim. I just do. So I don't know how to explain it to people. So I find it very frustrating when people are like, well, how do you like skim? I'm like, I don't, I just, I just do it. I don't know. It's just like one of those things that it's like, I can't explain it to you. Like you either skim or you don't. Yeah. I read, I realized this recently, like in a very disjointed way where Mm -hmm. That's why I don't like long paragraphs because Mm -hmm. I realize that I don't read things in order. Mm -hmm. So like when I read stuff out loud, I almost always change the sentence. Like by the time that it comes out of my mouth, it has gone into my brain, been jumbled around, and then it comes out and it's saying essentially the same thing. It's just like slightly different. Switched around. And sometimes I'll read paragraphs and I realize I'm reading them like backwards or I'm jumping around in different words Mm -hmm. and like trying to just get a gist of what the paragraph is. Yeah. And not actually fully reading it. Like, yeah. I've, like, I read, like, four words in a paragraph, and I'm like, I got it. Yeah. Like, we can keep going. We can keep going. Yeah. Which is, like, I realize is insane. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> probably don't read that way, but that's just how my brain is. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm like, unless the work has, like, really, really engaged me on, like, a certain level, or if I'm specifically, like, trying to read it, um, something that I've already, like, enjoyed, maybe kind of read it that way, but I liked it, but I want to go back and read it more in depth, then I'll really, like, stick to, like, the format. But, like, yeah, I'm, like, most works. And that doesn't mean I don't like it or that I'm not interested in it, but I'm, like, I just kind of, like, I don't know. My brain just 
jumps ahead in everything that I do, so it's gonna do that when I read as well. Yeah. So it's it's you have to be like really like honestly very very good <laughs> to like really draw me into the point where I'm like actually reading it in yeah. your structure. I'm like I, it's just more fun for me to read that way. If I'm yeah. having to read everything in a structure, otherwise it doesn't make sense. I usually will abandon it. Yeah. Because like it doesn't work with my brain, but. Mm-hmm. You and know. then again, that's, like, usually things that are not, like, novels or, yeah. like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, if they have, like, short stories, but, like, the whole thing is, I don't know, it's not, like, a narrative, then I'll probably read it a little bit more structurally. But I'm, like, if it's, like, a, you know, I don't know, just a standard novel, I feel like there are things that I can kind of get away from. Like, I don't really need the descriptors or whatever. Right. For sure. Um, so, YN, as far as that, which that was a big tangent, completely yeah. unrelated. Um, <laughs> YN is also, like, in fandom usually equated to a Mary Sue character. Mm. So Mary Sue in mainstream fiction refers to a female character who is good at everything and free of weakness. Uh, Um, So that's the idea. It's just like the perfect female character. Um, It first came out like everything else in the Star Trek fandom um, where somebody, uh, a woman wrote a short story about a character named Mary Sue to make fun of the idealized female characters that show up in Star Trek fanfic. Mm-hmm. So it started off as a joke by a woman. Yes. I, when I, If a man says Mary Sue, they're getting hit in the face. <laughs> yeah. Right away. It's the same thing as like when men say the Bechdel test. Yeah, I'm like, like, shut up. Why are you, as a man, speaking? Like, get back to physical labor. Like you're supposed to. <laughs> Go God. hunt animals or something. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so in fanfic, a Mary Sue can sometimes just refer to, like, a Mm -hmm. self-insert. But it's, you know, it's a self-insert that is perfect and everything goes their way. So a self-insert is what is, you know, YN, which is, like, a literary device where a author writes themselves into the story as a fictional character. Mm -hmm. This is pretty common in fanfic if you're dealing with an original character uh, or an OC. It's usually some sort of self-insert. But this happens in normal fiction as well like Mm -hmm. I would call like Bella Swan a self-insert yeah because of just the way she's described seems Mm -hmm. pretty similar to Stephanie Meyer and it also is the reason it's so popular yeah because it's pretty easy to step into her shoes because it's like there's nothing about her that is so distinctive that you can't like engage with her yeah that you can't like like a first person setting right it's like I feel like her character is like just vague enough or not vague but just like you know um all-encompassing kind of that yeah you can just kind of attach yourself you can bring your own character like you know mannerisms and stuff and things to Bella Swan and exactly. just like take over yeah I would almost also call like Harry Potter a self-insert um, really is because he has the same birthday as Joanne and I feel like she wanted it to be like her and Harry Potter are very similar but Absolutely. also it's like it's pretty easy to imagine yourself as Harry Potter like if you're reading this mm-hmm so a self-insert in fanfic obviously can be an original character. It can be YN. Um, and usually when someone's writing a self-insert for YN, they mean themselves. Like, they really don't mean you, but it's just, like, it's become, like, a pretty common term. And yeah. some people won't read original characters. Like, for a lot of fan fiction, I would not read original characters, and I would just read YN stuff, mm-hmm. especially if I'm new to that fandom and I'm sort of just engaging with the characters. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to read a story that doesn't have any original characters. Like, the main characters are just the same from the, you know, canon. Right. They all, like, Mary Sue's, especially in fan fiction, but in any general way, sort of overlaps with the, like, plot armor device. So plot armor is basically where, in fiction, a character will survive dangerous situations that they shouldn't survive otherwise. 
simply because they need that character to move the plot along. So this oh, is like okay, yeah. Bella Swan is plot. She is a plot armor character, like mm-hmm. stuff that's crazy. She should have died. She doesn't die from. Right. Harry Potter is the same way. He fights Voldemort like several times as a child and he continues to win. But it's like the story would be over if he was dead. So yeah. like that's why they're so they just randomly really good at things. And mm-hmm. Mary Sue's are typically like overlapping, like the idea of Mary Sue's are overlapping with this. So it's like a female character that is just great in every situation they come upon and they have no flaws and it's just to move the plot along like they're barely even a character really yeah um i'm looking at you blanca like blanca that that character has no no flaws the way she's like constantly talking about how smart she is and how she dances and everyone claps and i'm like shut up yeah i'm like i feel like there's a lot of characters that i enjoy who are kind of like that but i you know it's like i feel like it's fine like at harry potter it's like it's fine that he doesn't die even as a kid because yes i want to see where the story goes mm-hmm. it would be very boring if he just died book one <laughs> you right. know like, like oh okay I guess I'm, we're like, done. I'm willing to believe that this 13 year old or whatever is like can be a match for this dark lord because like that's fine like it yeah. doesn't matter but i'm like she's so like have no flaws in a way that's like so aggressive like she's like pre mad at the audience for even the possibility that like laura could have any flaws right it's like jesus christ like calm down or it's like harry potter has flaws they're just like not losing to voldemort yes yeah okay moving on i want to talk about some other very general tags Mm -hmm. you might see on ao3 um just general terms really the first one is fluff um which is Probably one of the most common tags on AO3. It's definitely up there, um, which refers to a fic without angst. Uh, so, like, a feel-good story. Yeah. Um, I feel like without angst is really only an appropriate description if you're reading, like, a one-shot. Because typically what you'll see is a fic that has both fluff and angst. So it has moments where it's, like, it's just fun. And mm-hmm. they're just having a fluffy moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just a feel-good moment or a feel-good story. But mm-hmm. usually if it's, like, a fluffy story all around, it means that it's, like, not super plot-heavy not a lot of like tense moments right <laughs> so on the flip side of that is angst which i love everyone That's loves good angst shit. <laughs> angst is generally defined as like deep anxiety like feelings of deep anxiety or dread um which refers to a fic or a story that's traumatic in nature um this term is super vague so it can refer to like anything like some people call just like general disagreements like angst some people when they're talking about angst they mean like the most horrific thing you've ever read angst with a happy ending is also a pretty common tag it's my favorite (laughs) which again i wish that books had this where it was like it's gonna be angsty but just like hear me out like basically just being like you're gonna get stressed out but just wait like it's gonna end happy but it's just gonna take some time to get there which i'm like sometimes i just need that because i'm always afraid the fanfic authors are gonna twist it on me and these characters are like Kind of a terrible ending or yeah. whatever. Um, That's why I generally, like, gravitate towards YA versus, like, adult fiction sometimes. Because, like, you know, I feel like so much contemporary fiction is, like, we're subverting the idea of a story by making it a bad ending. Right. And it's like... I'm like, what is this, a fucking video game? Like, I don't care. Why do I need a bad ending to your story? Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> okay, so you just wrote a bummer. Like, that's not exciting or right. new. You're like, not, like, interesting. Yeah, but I'm like, at least with YA, I can, like, generally trust that so they'll have, like, a decent ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, like, sort of adjacent one would be Hurt Comfort. Mm-hmm. So Hurt Comfort is kind of a subgenre of angst, which refers to a story where one character endures emotional distress or physical injuries, and then another character takes care of that person. 
Very cute. It's great. I love Hurt Comforts, my favorite. This is like, again, it can have like a huge range as far as like what people consider it. Um, so you like, sometimes we'll see Hurt Comfort and it'll be just be Hurt mostly and then like a tiny bit of Comfort and that's like it. Um, some fix it's like pretty well balanced as far as like the angsty Hurt parts and then the parts that were they're being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll see a sort of a similar tag for fix that have like no comfort after the pains. So you'll see hurt, no comfort, or hurt, hurt, <laughs> hurt slash hurt, uh, which refers to the thing where it's like you're not getting any comfort for this. Like when bad things happen, there is no like emotional payoff of them getting better necessarily. I'm like, who even wants to read this? It but feels also, so like masochistic. I love a yeah. I'm like, first of all, I don't really read them, and two, I love these warnings. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. These like very plot specific warnings to me are amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, I wish books had AO3 tags. Yeah. Like I find myself like read like trying to like figure out if I want to read a book. And get overwhelmed because I'm like, well, what can I expect in it? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, you don't need to tell me, like, any... I don't even need a summary that much. No. But if you, like, can give me tags, I'm way more likely to read something based only on tags. Absolutely. Um, Because I'm not always in the mood to just, like, pick up a book and just start reading it. It's too much for me to expect, okay? Yeah. You heard how bad I am at reading? It's like, it's just... There's a lot to I'm invest I'm only taking there. in, like, 40% of the content at any given time. So, mm-hmm. like, I just need to know from the get-go what beats I'm going to hit, yeah. and then I can sort of follow along. Um, hurt comfort is also extremely common in any sort of fic with, like, BDSM when it's written correctly because hurt comfort exists as, like, aftercare mm-hmm. in the real world. Yes. Um, a pretty good example of hurt comfort. <laughs> um, another term is, which we sort of talked about it before, is, like, crack fic. Mm-hmm. So we uh, talked about it with a crack pairing. Yeah. So a crack fic typically refers to something with a fundamentally ludicrous premise. Mm. So there was a less known version of like crack fic, which referred to a fic that was like highly addictive. This isn't really what it's used for anymore. Like if you see like crack fic or crack pairing, it's referring to something that's like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically these are comical in nature, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. Crack fic just implies that the initial premise is implausible, if not impossible. Um, so it could be surrealist or even absurdist mm. within like the confines of the story. Um, yeah. so a lot of people who write like even things like ABO fix, you know, alpha beta omegas, it, that could be considered like a crack fic for some people. Like that's just something that's like ludicrous to them. Um, but I feel like a lot of times when I see something labeled as like a crack fic, I am expecting it to be funny yeah because personally i'm someone that i feel like i can engage with a story on its own level so even if the initial thing is like late like crazy impossible whatever i can still engage with it by the rules that they set yeah some people don't like that though so it's probably it's still a helpful tag Mm because like everybody's different yeah there's a lot of weird discourse about this as well of course Um, there is surprisingly not that much about it being offensive just because it's like you know, refer like the original definition of it being an addictive way, um, which is kind of what I expected, mm. um, or that it's like a dero- like derogatory term, like mm. it used to be a derogatory term for some fix. So like, if somebody was reading a fic and it had a ridiculous concept, they would call it a crack fic rather than somebody calling their own fic a crack fic. Right. Um, so uh, more of what you see as far as like the discourse is. Um, it, the, again, it's like it's somehow like related to the laziness art, like argument. 
where they basically think that this tag gives the writer permission to take a topic less seriously. Um, I think that's fucking dumb because I think art should be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I'm like, art doesn't have to be serious. I think about um, uh, CJ, the like YouTuber, his video where he talks about the term compelling, where he's like, compelling is a good word to use when describing art rather than good or bad, yes. serious or non-serious, how serious the author is taking their own work, whatever, because mm-hmm. compelling is what matters yeah. and like what brings you in. Um, but again, some people like, I think are just far too serious to really understand or engage with that. And yeah. I think that's the benefit of tags anyways. Like people, some people will disregard them or purposely read something that they don't like. But typically the tags are there for you to one, find the stuff you like, and two, filter out the stuff that you think is like not going to be your thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, why waste time reading something you don't want to read? Right. Yeah. Um, personally, one of my favorites is the infidelity tag. So if mm. I'm looking at a fic and it's some, you know, my favorite pairing, whatever, and then it includes the tag infidelity, I won't read it. Like, I immediately nix them. Yeah. And I feel like in books that can just, like, happen. Yeah. And I'm like, I need a warning for that. Right. Like, I can't I can't deal. Like, that's not what I want in any romance thing. Yeah. And I don't care who's being unfaithful to who or in what context. I was like, it, it's not enjoyable for me to read. Yeah, it's just like, you know, if that's just going to detract from your reading experience. Right. You know. We don't have to engage with it. Whereas, like, some people find infidelity angst, like, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, a crack pairing or a crack ship is a ship that is, like, highly ridiculous, bizarre, disturbing, and or unlikely to ever become canon. Mm. Voldemort Dobby, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, this usually is, again, it's, like, some kind of fun writing that they're doing. Like, it's supposed to be goofy. Um, yeah. Sometimes it can be, you know, they're taking it more seriously. Um, I have seen, like, Snape Lockhart as, like, a crack ship, um, which I kind of understand because it's, like, a little ludicrous that they would ever be together. Yeah. But also I read a fic recently where they did end up together, and it was really cool. Made so, a lot of sense to me. Very um, cute. Never read any Voldemort Dobby ones, but if you have any, send them my way. Send them. Maybe I'll write one. Yeah. We, are, we need to make a podcast email so people can send us Yes. We, I think we have one. It's oh. the podcast rejects at gmail.com. Oh. So we do have an email. We do have we'll one. We'll put it on our, our something. You'll find it somewhere. Just send us a DM. Who cares? <laughs> um, who checks our email nowadays? Um, Honestly, like, what are we, like, 50? Yeah, for real. So this term, like, crack ship, you know, crack fic, whatever, has led to what is my personal favorite of this term, which is crack edits. Mm. So this is typically something you'll see on YouTube, although they show up on tiktok as well but it will be titled something like twilight crack Mm. and what it is is it's a bunch of clips from the original content and then it's re-edited to make them into like some humorous joke okay yeah um it's usually like a bunch of really quick ones one right after the other and it's just a bunch of twilight related content Mm -hmm. and it's twilight crack uh which i think is really funny and very creative when people make this kind of content and that's like my favorite like definition of something that's like crack in the form of like the fan fiction universe mm-hmm. because I think that's like it's quick it's simple like and it takes like a lot of work to do it whether or not people respect it you know I'm like that's a lot of work to edit this shit together and I really enjoy seeing what they come up with yeah absolutely the other super common tag uh, is smut obviously which is just sex usually yeah that's what smut means um it again can have a huge range and like sometimes you'll come across a t- like a fic that just says smut 
and it'll be the most insane sex scenes you've ever read. And yeah. then sometimes it'll say smut, and what they mean is tasteful cutaways, which makes me mad. I'm like, because that's not <laughs> smut. I'm like, okay? why do you think I'm here? Honestly, I'm like, if it could make it onto daytime television, it's not smut. Yeah, I'm like, mm-mm. No, no, no. Um, which is uh, very sp- small tangent. But when I was younger, I didn't um, know the difference between smut and snuff. Ugh. I thought they were the same thing. And then um, I didn't actually watch a snuff film, but I did figure it out almost too late. And I yeah. Was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, um, I thought those were the same thing. And I like the same meaning as smut. I was like, oh, those are just like different fun names for like sexy stuff right that i remember someone telling me about like i can't, I can't believe there's like a snuff film and i was like I mean, it's just sex it's not a big deal and then <laughs> they're I was like, like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like excuse me what do you think it is murder is not a big deal and i was like oh what it's like what are we talking about <laughs> that's so funny yeah but anyway so going back to smut a common tag you'll see with it is like pwp mm-hmm. or porn without plot um it could just mean like plot what plot or, you know, obviously porn without plot. Some of them, they just are, like, porn with plot, and they're still using the same term, like same like acronym, um, which basically just refers to a fic that is just smut. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no story. There's no, like, plot here, obviously. Mm-hmm. There is no narrative. Like, it's... It, they're just having sex, and that's, like, you get what you pay for. Like, yep. it's what's on the 10. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, especially with some of these, because I've found a lot of fics recently, like, in the last couple years that have been just, like you know porn without plot fix and then they will edit in gifs like porn gifs that you would see on tumblr in its heyday Mm -hmm. and they just edit those in to their own fic to like give you a visual aid to the porn you're reading which i was like this is so inventive yeah these people they they're thinking them thoughts Mm -hmm. like they're curating (sighs) yeah they are making art (laughs) like sometimes they're like very weird and unrelated where i'm like i guess that's what you're describing but Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, I can get behind it. Yeah. Um, there are a ton of other tags that go along with smut that are insane. Sometimes you'll find fix, which I like, where it's like really specific things about the sex scene that are happening. So like, you know, whatever is happening within that sex scene, whether or not it's like racy, like BDSM, or it's just like vaginal sex, and you're like, cool, like, cool. This is, you know, helpful okay. to know. Yeah. But I'm like, I kind of appreciate more tags versus less. Yeah just as myself if i'm looking at a fic and it only has like a couple tags i'm way less likely to read it yeah it's like i don't know where we're going with this Mm -hmm. um the final thing i want to talk about which is a change of subject um but you know i just wanted to get through the very general tags because the other ones are very specific to either a fandom or they belong in the dead dove do not eat right like those are the fun tags. We'll talk about that next time. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. So I want to talk about real person fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, RPF, real person fan fiction, is like slightly controversial to some people. Again, it, I like everything. It has discourse, mm-hmm. um, but it's fiction written about real people, whether it's self insert. So it's you and you know, Sebastian Stan dating, or it's just about that person independently or that person with like another celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, they all exist. This is, I feel like a lot of times talked about in the term of like one direction, which I feel like exists there because somebody got published that way. Yeah. But it's actually existed since the 1960s. Yeah. It's existed for a very long time. um, And every single time they blame it on like teens and young women, but it's always happening. I mean, arguably the Bible is real person fan fiction. Well, I was like, (laughs) it can be for sure. I was like the, you know, Book of Mormon, definitely. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what people say. They're like, you find these like fantastical lore 
stories written by like Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. That's like real person fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really common for teen magazines in the 1960s and 70s to print similar story, like you know, to print stories of popular teen celebrities in a fictionalized fictionalized adventure. Mm. So they would literally write real person fanfic about themselves, or you know, they'd have somebody else write it, someone from their media team, yeah. and then they would publish these in like. Teen Vogue, like those kind of magazines. Oh, very cute. Um, they usually involve like some sort of romantic or adventurous plots that are just like to bring people in and make them interested in these people. But they're clearly fake. They're supposed to be fake. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that this is we have discourse about it now, and it's like it's a thing that people even did about themselves as like a marketing tool. Yeah. It's the best thing anyone could do to market for you because it's like that's to be that kind of person where then people are writing fan fiction about you it's it's very intense mm-hmm. obviously the debate is like invading people's privacy it gets even more dicey when we talk about underage characters or underage characters underage people <laughs> yeah <laughs> um which again that's where i see a lot of the anti shippers mm-hmm. is people who write fanfic about people who are underage right um but in my opinion i'm like usually the people writing them are also underage and regardless, it's fine. It's like fiction. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's obviously a very nuanced conversation and one we're not going to have on this podcast. But as far as how I feel about real person fan fiction, I'm like, it's cool. Like, yeah. it's your thing. Yeah. I found this like weird quote when I was looking up a lot of the discourse and it was like, I'm just going to read it. It says, when you create a universe with characters and situations, you get to play God. The universe, the characters, the situations are all objects that the writer manipulates of her heart to her heart's content. It's the her in there that makes me feel like I'm reading a law journal. (laughs) When you write about real people, regardless of situation, you have turned them into objects. Maybe this is neither good nor bad, but I feel that much of what past and current women's and minorities' struggles are about is a passion to not be objectified, to be viewed as individuals, as human beings, not things. Which, the way it was written, I was just like, are you a woman? I don't know. Mm. Um, But also it was like... You know, if it's taking them as a real person and then truly like you're basically making them into a fictional character, it's like, is it even objectification of the real person at that point? Right. Especially when it becomes like more and more fantastical, like it's you interacting with this person Mm -hmm. and you're never going to meet them. Yeah. Then that's like, you know, is that really objectification? Yeah. And I feel like objectification, especially on like major, major celebrities, it's kind of a difficult topic because it it's hard to argue where it's like to compare it to like the objectification of women or minorities where it's like they're we're talking about like in real time yeah. like the way that like men interact with women and view them as objects mm-hmm. not like a celebrity that b- barely exists as a real person in the public eye mm-hmm. because they have created a persona right. that exists in the famous sphere mm-hmm. and you're writing fan fiction about that person right um, yeah, I'm like, it's definitely not the same, because I was like, yeah, the celebrity has the opportunity to, uh, yeah, create their brand, mm-hmm. that, like, image of their celebrity as, yeah. like, a thing. It's like, who they are is can be as attached or detached to that as they want it to be. Right, exactly. And so people using that persona, that brand in their content, yeah, it's it's not the same mm-hmm. as, like, being never viewed as an individual human being, like, at all. Like, right. just for simply existing. Yeah. I was like, like that's objectification is a much... 
more difficult term to define and talk about. I feel like I often hear it in these like big overarching things where I was like, I'm not sure that actually applies. And I, if anything, I feel like it dilutes like the actual conversation about objectification. Absolutely. So, which is how I feel about a lot of this discourse. Like it's always like bringing in these huge issues and then trying to compare something that's not a big deal to them, which just feels like kind of offensive to the real issues like Absolutely. being played with. Because I feel like the argument is only ever really brought up, at least from what I can tell with male celebrities. It's like, oh, how dare you women objectify men? And it's like, well, you don't care when grown men do it to, you know, yeah. young women in any sense, whether or not they're celebrities. So like, why do you suddenly care about this now? Because it's affecting a man. And it's like, also, it's not the same. So right. it's like, you're just, making false comparisons. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like showing your biases by like only caring about this because again, you are a person who are like, sees another man as a real human being and women as not, that you're seeing them as objects. So yeah. you don't have that care for them in the first place to care about objectification. Right. So it's be quiet. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't, you don't understand the source material. Like you yeah. can't participate in this conversation. I'm like go learn your ABCs before you join grad school. Why are you as a man reading? Um, <laughs> I feel like also what's interesting to me, obviously it's like, like I said, one direction is like the most popular fandom. Yeah. Um, I think it's also just because of like how the fandom reacted to their own fan fiction that like it created a lot of in discourse into this realm <laughs> a mess where if like it came up on like your tumblr feed you were like i don't fucking care which is how like anyone outside of it but inside of it it was like a very tense conversation being had with yeah. a lot of people mm-hmm. um nowadays when you see real person fan fiction it is typically youtubers or professional streamers which i think is really <laughs> crazy and interesting yeah uh, one of the longest ones like fanfics on AO3 is about NASCAR drivers, <laughs> um, and it's real person fanfiction about them, and it's like okay, half a million words. So they've got a whole thing. So fan, real person fanfiction be written about anyone. It's not just Harry Styles. Yeah. Um, some of it's you know crazy, but it's really, I I just feel like it's not as big of a deal as people make it. It's kind of a thing where it's like if it's not your thing, you just don't read it. Just don't read it. You don't look for it. And if you people are writing fanfiction about you, it affects you in no way. Yeah. Like, you can just ignore it. Yeah. Because we know that it's fantastical. It's fan fiction. Yeah, I was like, I don't think, like, uh, I'm sorry, my brain is just stuck on Harry Styles because we're thinking of, like, One Direction and all that. But it's like, I don't think Harry Styles' public persona, let alone his private one, has been, um, uh, what's the word? Deteriorated or depreciated in any way because of fan fiction that's been right. written about him. So, like, who cares? I'm like, I'm sure he doesn't think about it. Exactly. Like, he's got plenty of other things to worry about. You know, he's, like, an international, like, pop star that, like, goes on tour. Like, I don't think he cares about fan fiction. Right. It's, like, if they care about it, it's it's very, like, passing. And it's not something that you as a fanfic author or a fanfic reader need to, like, concern yourself with. Yeah. Because it has more to do with, like, their public persona than it does about, like, what people are saying and or writing. And, mm-hmm. like you said, fan fiction is fantastical. Mm-hmm. It's We know you're writing about their, at best, their, like, public persona. And at worst, it's just, like some random dude yeah and then you're just attaching harry styles face or his life to it right um but i do think it's interesting i also love to know if people like to read real person fan fiction the only time i've read it um has either been as a joke like looking up fan fiction of like politicians and stuff which mm-hmm. i think is funny yeah or it's like i see it on tumblr as far as like one shots right so it's like sebastian stanix reader and yeah. it's like it's you know 
100 words, 600 words, whatever. It's not, like, a full-length fic. Right, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I was very much, obviously, a directioner, so I did read a lot of One Direction fanfic. But, yeah, most of the other stuff that I've read, yeah, have been, like, Marvel specifically. There's a lot of, like, Tom Hiddleston, um, Mm -hmm. Fashion Stan, Chris Evans, like, just one-shots, which I think they're fun. Yeah, I was like, I feel like the most I've ever read of any, like, real person fanfic has been Sebastian Stan Mm -hmm. and I feel like that exists with Sebastian Stan a lot yeah and like you said like it's a lot of Marvel people Mm -hmm. um whereas like some people they're never getting even if they're popular actors are never getting like real fan fiction yeah I did see a lot for Adam Driver but I don't think I ever read any of it oh okay that makes sense actually like skyrocketed to like fame after Star Wars right that makes sense and everyone realized how hot he is he's so hot but he's also so terrifying he's i can't a stop giant man thinking about the tiktok where they said his rings his pinky ring size is a size nine i don't think any of my fingers are nine i mean yeah i mean that would be crazy my thumbs are nine i think like my like maybe an eight for yeah. my thumbs but i think all of them are like max seven and a half oh yeah absolutely i think most of my other fingers are like eight maybe i think my pinky's like a five and a half or six or something i don't know it's That's so crazy. crazy. It's a giant person. He's too big. <laughs> a big boy. <laughs> I feel like if I saw him in real life, I would, I just instinctually would screech. Like, yeah, I don't like, know what I would he look do. Like that? He's just like a hulking man of a person. Just yeah. Like walking around. I'm like, I love him. I think he's great. He's super hot. I don't think I could meet him in real life. I, I think feel it would like scare me. he's the kind of person that people would write ABO fix about. Oh and yeah, it would make sense. That would make sense. He'd be like, yeah, all right. He does kind of look like a wolf. He does. I feel like if he was a werewolf, I would be like, okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I'm like he's got that face shape or something about mm-hmm. him. Yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, so <laughs> that is concludes our like general Overwatch of these terms yeah. and whatnot, so that we can dive into the rest of it obviously the next episode will be dead dove do not eat Mm -hmm. and like i said we will have all of the timestamps, trigger warnings etc because we are actually going to discuss them and not just like breeze over them yeah no we're we're gonna go in depth yeah i'm like partially so that people know because there's certain tags where it's like if you don't interact with the stuff you might be led astray (laughs) and some of it just because it has an interesting lore on its own so for sure that will be next week, and then we can actually get into some really specific fandoms. Oh my god, so exciting. We get to go real in-depth on these babies. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. See you next episode. Bye. Bye! The Podcast Rejects is a Gamer Frauds Network production. Find us on Instagram at The Podcast Rejects. For early access to all Gamer Frauds Network content and a ton of exclusive perks, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.